0: Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, editor in chief of Worldwide Tax Daily. We've heard quite a bit about the effect of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act on companies and individuals. This week, we're looking at the effects on the law firms that will be advising clients on the new rules. Tax Notes Today reporter Zoe Sagalow has reached out to a number of firms to find out what they're doing in response to the law. She's here to tell us what she heard back. Zoe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. So in general, how are firms reacting?
1: Well, 19 law firms responded to my informal survey. Generally, the firms are already seeing signs that the new tax law will spur more demand for their services that could lead to increased hiring of tax lawyers. And all the firms mentioned some anticipated growth from the new tax law, or at least an effect on their practices.
0: Can we expect that there will be some hiring involved in this growth?
1: I think so. 16 firms answered my question about hiring, And 11 firms out of the 16 told me they either have hired or will hire more tax attorneys this year. Mostly, though, the firm's expected to need one to five additional tax attorneys to handle the increased demand. But one firm, Kirkland & Ellis, said it expects to hire 10 to 15 new tax lawyers in its U.S. offices this year.
0: Are there specific practices that will benefit from the new law?
1: Yes, they mentioned a variety of areas they expect to be growth areas. One of the most common was corporate structure or choice of entity. So whether a business should set itself up as a corporation or as some type of pass-through, or even whether an existing business should change its structure. This is an important question because of the reduced statutory corporate rate and because of changes to pass-through taxation. Another growth area that they commonly mentioned was international taxation. One of the international taxation issues that's come up because of the new law, is whether companies should bring back earnings they have in foreign countries. That's given the new lower repatriation rate. And other areas that came up were deductions of state and local taxes, as well as estate and gift taxes.
0: What are the firms saying about the choice of entity and corporate structure?
1: Well, I talked with Saba Ashraf about that. She's the co-leader of the tax group at Ballard Spar, and she said the question of choice of entity applies more broadly than just to new businesses that are forming. She said this question also applies to existing businesses. I talked to her on the phone about it, and here's what she had to say.
2: All those businesses, the owners of those businesses are reevaluating their structure, And wondering if their structure is the right one for them and whether um, they should consider an alternative form of entity given the new tax rates. Because the new tax rate for corporations is so low, especially in light of what it's been historically. I think it wasn't this low. So now it's 21%. I believe the last time it was around this rate was uh, it was 19% and I believe that was in 1919. So it's been a very long time. It's not just the fact that the corporate tax rate is low, but it's also combined with the fact that it's so much lower than the rate that applies to individuals. So no matter what the size of the business, whether it's sort of startup companies that, that, you know, don't have very many owners or don't have very much revenue or income, or it's very large businesses that are quite fr- profitable um, and have quite a lot of income and revenues. I think a lot of clients are wondering if their structure makes sense in light of the new tax laws.
1: Ashraf also talked about the confusions about which businesses the so-called pass-through deduction applies
2: to. The other area where we're getting uh, a lot of questions relate to the 20% qualified business income deduction or the pass-through deduction as a lot of people are calling it. And I think while that deduction is a big benefit, because of the wording of the statute, a lot of people have questions about whether it will apply to them. So the questions relate not only to, I'm an employee right now, should I restructure so that I'm no longer an employee? In order to be able to take advantage of that deduction, but also more broadly, you know, I have this business, you know, most of the owners have it in a pass-through entity. Will the deduction apply to me? Is there anything different that I can do structure-wise to have it apply to me? If I'm a C corporation, does it make sense for me to convert to an S corporation, you know, and then compare what the rate applicable would be if I remained a C corporation or if I became an S corporation, things of that nature. With the
0: lower tax rates and deemed repatriation, that would seem to free up a lot of money. What are the firms saying about that?
1: I talked with Michael Baynes of Kirkland & Ellis about this. His firm sees freed-up capital being used for mergers and acquisitions.
2: The new tax law certainly, I think, will result in probably even more money or capital uh, looking for deployment and M&A, both with a significant corporate tax cut, and also the ability to now repatriate foreign earnings more easily and with less tax. That, to me, feels like a very, very good combination to result in uh, increased deal activity.
0: What other issues are the firms raising?
1: Well, Castellanets and Fink is somewhat different. I talked with Brian Scarlatos from that firm. Their firm does some tax planning, but it mostly does tax controversy work. So he said they'll see the effect of the new law in a year or two. Not until the IRS starts questioning positions that some taxpayers will have taken in how they filed their returns under the new law. Scarlato's talked about how the new law can lead to some risk-taking.
3: I do get the sense that there are a lot of the ambiguities in the new tax law. And further, there's a, there's a lack of sort of legislative history or clear congressional intent um, behind some of the provisions. And so it's hard to understand exactly what Congress was getting at Um, in some of the gray areas around the new tax law that means that uh, taxpayers may feel more free to take aggressive positions around those gray areas I think you're going to see some taxpayers take aggressive positions that could be challenged by the IRS and so again in a year or two we're going to see an uptick in business I mean one really simple example of that has to do with the elimination of the deduction for uh, state and local property taxes, and you saw a lot of people scrambling to pay state and local property taxes before the end of 2017, and even some state governments coming out and issuing um, tentative assessments or assessments before 2000, uh, the end of 2017 so people could pay, and then the IRS issuing a notice just in the last week of 2017 saying, hey, that's not going to work. Um, you know, your tax has to be clearly assessed, not preliminarily assessed, um, in order for you to be able to pay it. And I know already some people have taken issue with the IRS's position or interpretation of what needs to happen before you can prepay uh, a state or local tax bill. So that's just one example of where the law was ambiguous. People have taken aggressive positions, and we expect to see some tax controversy, some audits, appeals activity, and then possibly even tax court litigation around that in the coming years.
1: And Scarlatos made a general point that growth areas for the firm can come from areas of the law in which there's ambiguity, in particular, areas that involve large dollar figures. He specifically mentioned ambiguities about repatriation rules and ambiguities about taxation of U.S. controlled foreign corporations.
0: You mentioned ambiguities in the repatriation rules. What other areas are causing uncertainty that you're hearing about?
1: Saba Ashraf of Ballard Spar raised a few issues. She said it's difficult to advise clients with regard to parts of the law in which the intent was unclear and the language was ambiguous. As an example, she mentioned the carried interest provision. She said it's unclear what the three-year holding period applies to. She gave us another example that the corporate rate might be raised again, perhaps to 25 percent. But we don't know when that might happen. And if that were to happen, it would have a significant effect on tax planning. Senate Democrats included a proposal to raise the corporate rate to 25 percent as part of an infrastructure plan that they released in early March. Practitioners have said the new tax law has unclear parts, and they've said they need some guidance on various elements of it. They've mentioned this both in response to my informal survey and elsewhere. So, in the coming months, we'll be watching for IRS guidance on the new tax law, and we'll be watching for a potential technical corrections bill from Congress.
0: Zoe, so where can listeners find you online?
1: You can find me on Twitter at The Saga of Zoe. That's Z O E at the end.
0: Thank you for being here. And now, coming attractions. This is a new feature of the podcast where we highlight one of the Tax Notes magazines to give you a preview of what's coming in the next edition. This week's featured magazine is State Tax Notes, the leading source of state and local tax analysis and commentary. We're joined by State Tax Notes Editor-in-Chief, Jeanne Rausch-Zender. Jeanne, what can listeners look forward to reading in the next edition?
1: I'm excited for this quarter's issue of board briefs. The next installment will appear in the March 26th issue of the magazine and has our advisory board members discussing possible outcomes to the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to grant cert in South Dakota v. Wayfair. Here are a few highlights. Professor Walter Hellerstein provides a historical perspective on the controversy. and Isaacson partner George Isaacson warns of a world without quill. McDermott Will and Emery partner Arthur Rosen issues a plea to the Supreme Court. And Horwood, Marcus, and Burke partner Marilyn Wethacom cautions to be careful of what you wish for. The article provides an enlightening yet entertaining look at the thoughts and perspectives of leading professionals in the field, and I'm excited to share them with our readers.
0: That sounds great. Listeners can look forward to reading that in the March 26th edition of State Tax Notes. That's it for this week. You can follow me on Twitter at taxstew, that's S-T-E-W. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play to make sure you get the next episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com backslash products. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to tax notes. Thank you for listening and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk.